Recode Radio presents Too Embarrassed to Ask, hosted by me, Kara Swisher, and Lauren Good of The Verge, powered by digital media. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior editor of technology at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. If you have questions that you've been dying to ask, we'll give you the answers, plus our views on all the latest gadgets. Submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. That's all one word, hashtag Ask, R-E-C-O-D-E, for the spelling challenged. <laughs> and you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, leave us a review. Yes, but just about Lauren, please. Five stars. <laughs> hey, Lauren, after weeks of traveling and phone calls, we're back together here in San Francisco, and I can tell you it's a delight to see you. It's so nice to see <laughs> you today. How did you survive without me? I didn't. I barely made it. Yes, yeah, I was struggling. Yeah, I've seen Jason Del Rey twice in the past two weeks, and he's in New York, so mm-hmm. I've seen him more than I've seen yeah, you. Yeah, I'm a very important person, Lauren. You're lucky I'm here at all. You are. So, yeah, You've yeah. been speaking with Del. Are you are you running for president? I, I am. I was you with the defense seriously consider it. You think I should? It looks like anybody can be president <laughs> now. No, but you really did. You had a, a fascinating interview earlier this week, right? Yes, with the Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter. And there's more to come on lots of different fascinating people. He had a lot to say. What was the gist of it? The gist of it, he's pretty strong on encryption, sort of Apple-sided, although he didn't say it explicitly. He thought encryption was very important. So hmm. the government is wrestling with this issue. And, and he also talked a lot about their attempts to try to get Silicon Valley to like the Defense Department, including a new committee headed by the inevitable Eric Schmidt to talk about innovation in defense. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And where can people hear more about that? Uh, on the podcast this week. Recode, Recode. Decode. Decode. But today we're focused on you and Two Bears to Ask. Enough about right. me. <laughs> what do you think of me? Enough about you. <laughs> Today on Two Bears to Ask, we're devoting the entire episode to the ongoing debate between Apple and the FBI over security and privacy. It's a very nuanced and complicated issue, and honestly, it's not going away anytime soon. And a lot of you probably have questions around what it means for your privacy and your security. Um, So we're going to be talking about that. And we should note we're taping this show on Wednesday, March 2nd, but it doesn't come out till Friday, March 4th. So a lot can change between then and now, as is often the case with the news the latest news, you should check out Recode.net or TheVerge.com. I have to say that we tweeted that we would be discussing this today because we always ask our readers and our listeners for questions in advance. And the response to this one was really tremendous. We mm-hmm. got a lot of tweets from people. I think that people have a lot of questions about how this is all going down. So I'm very happy that Recode's policy expert, Don Chimalewski, is joining us via Skype this week to explain the court case between Apple and the FBI. Uh, Don, thank you for joining us from Los Angeles. Thank you, Lauren. So uh, before we get into reader questions, just give us the quick backstory of this case. Um, How did it all start? So the backdrop, it begins with the uh, terrorist attack in San Bernardino that left 14 people dead and another 22 people injured. Uh, The government and Apple have been working to try to extract information from an iPhone that belonged to the county of San Bernardino, which uh, one of the shooters in the case, uh, Syed Farouk, had been using. We have subsequently learned that the county changed the password associated with that account, and so information could not be backed up from the device. So information is now locked 
locked on this phone, and the FBI has gone to the courts and asked the courts to order Apple to create a special version of its operating system that would defeat some of the password and security protections on the device and allow the FBI's investigators to make repeated attempts to guess at the device's password and extract information from the phone. And at what point did this really intensify? Was it the moment that, you know, they realized that they were not able to extract this information because of the changed password? Was it earlier this week when there was a congressional hearing? Like, at what point did this, did you really start to say as someone who follows this, like, this is not going away. This is, this is a really big deal. So it's interesting. The FBI and Apple have actually been working together within days of the uh, the December 2nd attack. And Apple has been cooperative. Uh, they've provided technical support throughout, and they continue to provide technical support to the government uh, to try to further its efforts to get information. But when the dynamic changed is when the Justice Department filed its complaint with uh, the federal courts in San Bernardino uh, down here in Southern California and said, look, we've done as much as we know how to do. Now we need Apple to effectively disable the encryption on this device so we can extract information. And that was a bridge too far for Apple. Apple said, we will not break the security that we spent years building on this device. And so what's the latest? They had a congressional meeting. There was some announcement of the FBI that maybe they made a mistake. And then uh, Comey being a little more uh, accommodating for who's super aggressive, saying this is a PR stunt by Apple, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, Justice Department in uh, some of its filings had actually accused uh, Apple of not taking really the uh, principled high ground here, but rather being motivated by marketing considerations. It's made security a feature of its devices, and it is resisting purely because it wants to sell iPhones, which infuriated Apple. In fact, Bruce Sewell, uh, Apple's general counsel, testified it made his blood boil to hear those uh, accusations. Comey was a little bit more sedate yesterday at a House Judiciary Committee meeting. It went on for five hours. And Comey actually made some interesting admissions. The first is that the FBI messed up, that it made a mistake when it asked the county to change the password on this shooter's Apple ID account. This would not have Um, been an issue had they not made that mistake, correct? It's not entirely clear. If you read Mm -hmm. uh, the filings, it's not clear. The phone... The phone had last been backed up on October 19th, and it's possible that the shooter turned off the backup to avoid uh, the information on his phone being stored in the iCloud. And just to be clear, the, Apple's already turned over the information that's in the cloud. That's information that it can surrender to the government. But Apple went to the FBI not knowing that the password had been changed and said, hey, look, plug the device in, connect it to a wireless network that the phone knows, and it should automatically back up. Well, it was at that point that Apple discovered that the device didn't have the same password as the account, so therefore the sync couldn't happen. But all of this uh, is based on this idea that there could be information helpful to the authorities on the phone, but we don't actually know that, that that's the case. Earlier this week, BuzzFeed ran a letter that the spouse of one of the victims wrote um, in support of Apple saying, I know how, um, you know, my wife uses her work phone, her iPhone from work, and I know how people that she worked with use their iPhones, and they were, in some cases, secondary phones, and they didn't necessarily exchange personal information on these devices. So there's no guarantee that, uh, that, you know, the terrorists involved in this attack actually had exchanged information. Yeah, that and nobody helpful. knows nothing because they changed the password. And we, right. <laughs> and we'll just, yeah. so yeah, they could, they, they, they were technologically illiterate at this point not to have done that, essentially. The, uh, well, the FBI says, look, what's been deleted from the phone is potentially uh, as valuable as what uh, still exists. They say that there's information that doesn't back up to the cloud that might be useful to its investigation. You know, at bottom, we won't know in, unless this issue gets resolved. Sure, absolutely. So what are the implications for 
regular people. Now, a lot of people care a great deal about security and wanting to catch terrorists and getting as much Absolutely. information to the government as possible. At the same time, fishing expeditions by the government, are, it's famous. It happens all the time where they go after things they don't want to. This is obviously, they keep saying it's a one-phone issue, and it's clearly not. I mean, you know, if we think one phone will stop ISIS, I think that's really kind of a, it's kind of beggars the imagination they wouldn't use it for other things. No, and in fact, yesterday in testimony, uh, the Manhattan District Attorney, Cyrus Vance, came in and said, look, I have 175 phones that I can't inspect to further my prosecutions in various cases, and he's not alone. There are hundreds of these devices throughout the country. So, so this issue is going to come up again and again in courts until Congress comes to some sort of resolution here. And Apple called it a cancer, is that right? Within, in an interview that what it's proposing, it would be just, it would take over everything, this tool that they would possibly make, this magic tool to open up all these phones. Exactly. And, uh, and Apple makes the point uh, really poignantly. They've talked, the government has framed this as a question of sort of privacy versus security. And Apple is trying to make the point that this is really about security. And it's more than about, you know, it's about all the financial information that I have stored on the phone. I have all my personal information that I have stored on the phone, all my health information. But they also went further to say, look, the phone knows the location of your kids. This is about, this is a serious security issue for consumers as well as for the government. Great. Okay. So in a minute, we're going to answer some questions about this whole situation from our readers and listeners. But first, a word from Walker Law. Are you an entrepreneur or startup looking for legal help with your financing, acquisition, or incorporation? If so, then you should consider checking out Walker Corporate Law. Walker Corporate Law is a different kind of law firm. Unlike traditional law firms, they have lawyers with 10 to 25 years of experience, which means that you're going to get personal attention from a senior lawyer, not a junior lawyer getting on-the-job training. They've encouraged fixed fees because they also believe that when lawyers bill by the hour, it rewards inefficiency. So check them out at walkercorporatelaw.com, or you can call the founder, Scott Walker, at 415-979-9999. That's walkercorporatelaw.com at 415-979-9999. Okay, right now we're going to answer some questions from our listeners with Dawn, and then we're going to be talking to a lawyer, Ted Boutros, who is working with Apple on this case. Okay, let's take our first question. This is from uh, Van Winkle on Twitter. That's at R-I-P-O-C. He asks, San Berno, that's short for San Bernardino, changed password after attack. Are they not telling the FBI new one? I know it's not that simple, so what's the answer? So, Don, could you explain the difference between an iCloud password and a device password, please, very quickly? Right. The two are just not the same thing. So the device passcode is the four or six uh, digit code that you enter in your phone to unlock it. And the iCloud password is your basically your Apple ID password. And it allows your, your device to sync with the cloud and, and for information to be And that's up. what the FBI had changed, correct? Correct. So Don, in this case, when our questioner is saying, why are they not telling the FBI the new one? It's not that they don't you know, know what the new password is that they have set on this phone. It's that they still don't have the passcode to get onto the device itself. Is that correct? That's correct. They can't update the password on the device because now it has been changed and they can't unlock the device. Okay, got it. Okay, our next question is from at Irfan Banji on Twitter. And he says, can't Apple internally create a new OS without passcode limitations for that one phone? But what he's asking is, sort of what we've talked about, can't Apple just create this one new OS that affects this one device? What's the answer there? Well, I mean, uh, Apple testified that they can certainly create 
uh, an operating system, this sort of mutant operating system that would disable the 10 strikes and you're out, the auto-delete feature on the device so that the government can use sort of brute force to break into this phone. And they said that the risk here is that it can be used on any phone, any phone, you know, from the 5C, which is sort of an older model phone to to current phones. And that's the risk here. So it's a, it could be like a virus. It could go out to everybody, mm-hmm. right? And also the government acknowledged under questioning that it could indeed set a precedent. Yes. Mm-hmm. What a surprise. All right, Dawn, from Christine Jackman at Chris EJ. The FBI suggests that the backdoor to the iPhone already exists. Apple denies it. What do you think? No, there is no backdoor. Apple has said this is the reason they're objecting is there is no such software that, that accomplishes this and they don't want to go build it. But there are some conspiracy theories that other government agencies could potentially have backdoors or ways to get in, right? But then if they were to reveal that, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, do you, do you, give, any, movie with Will do you give any Smith, merit to those? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, um, Maybe I've watched uh, the, too many movies the government's lately. expert Landau had actually suggested that the NSA has tools, but it doesn't like to share with other government agencies because then it comes out in the open. Of course, I thought Edward Snowden took care of all that, but perhaps that the NSA has some secret tool. No, there's know some about. guy in some cave somewhere that could open it for them. I'm <laughs> pretty sure that's what Kara does when Kara's yeah. up in the middle of the night <laughs> calling us at 3 a.m. And she's actually just coding. She's creating backdoors and jailbreaking no, you have things. No idea. I work for the government. No. Okay, Ram. Our new iPhones also susceptible to similar issues? Can Apple push firmware to this secure enclave, reducing security provisions? The new generation of iPhones do have sort of an extra feature called the secure enclave. This is this is essentially a, a little word. chip. They use the word enclave? <laughs> yeah, they, they do, do use actually. the word enclave. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, so it's, a, it's a little fortress on your phone. Oh. Uh, and it turns out that the chip only does cryptographic calculations. It only handles encryption. So what it does is it, it uh, works in concert with Touch ID so to unlock the device or to make purchases, the computation is used in combination with the password that you enter and also the device ID to help, you know, to unlock payments, for instance. So Apple testified yesterday that the software the government is asking it to create would unlock all these devices. Now, Apple doesn't share a whole lot about the secure enclave publicly, but apparently the lock that the government is looking to pick here would also disable that feature, it seems. Yeah, enclave. Last time I heard enclaves was picking the Pope, right? There's an enclave that gets together. That's pretty secretive. Well, I guess this is meant to be very secretive. Vatican people are very secretive. Maybe we should let the Vatican take care of it. Anyway, let's move along. There's All right. no joking here about national security. The next question is from Peter, and his Twitter handle is at O-G-P-A-Y-T-U-R, Ugpater? I'm not sure how you say that. But in either case, he says, what sort of trouble will Apple get into if a law is passed after they release this quote-unquote unhackable iPhone update? Well, he's presuming that Apple would release an unhackable iPhone update. I'm not quite sure I understand the question. Don, is that something that you can make sense of? Yeah, so there have been some news reports over the past week that Apple is trying to plug a hole that left an opening for the government to request it to create this sort of version of the software to unlock, help the government unlock the phone. So Apple is supposed to be hardening its security. But regardless of what Apple does technologically, if there is some law that is passed, Apple would be forced to comply. So if uh, Dianne Feinstein's proposal to uh, make companies respond to government subpoenas, even when there's encryption in place, passes, then companies like Apple have to comply. 
And so I in find. that case, would they actually have to roll back to a previous OS? That's a really interesting question. Um, Cyrus Vance out of Manhattan actually was arguing in, in some of his filings that uh, Apple should roll back its encryption to iOS 7, which he thought worked pretty well and uh, should be the case. So to take technology back a couple of years oh, to... Yeah. We're going to get our cues from Cyrus Vance. Yeah, but yeah. isn't the idea with each new update that it is... Sorry, is, Cyrus. They're always working on security fixes and they're in bu- you know yeah. patches and fixing bugs. And so if you, how can you say... I mean, maybe some yeah. people can say oh, Windows 7 was better than saying, Windows... You know, Z, Gosh, course. the horse and buggy but. was just fine for all of us <laughs> criminal right. people catching. Those cars are <laughs> right. really causing criminals to drive faster. Right. I really liked it when banks didn't have cameras inside. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I I like, I, 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 this is a very serious issue, but Cyrus Vance should not be telling us what to do. <laughs> Don, your final word on that? Final word on that. Don, final word? Final word is, I, you know, I, I, the government, I'm not sure that I'm going to be taking my security cues from the government. Um, or, or Apple. It's like it's a big issue. It's a big issue that we all should be debating, you know, who do we trust, government or companies? But it should be a big, broad, long debate. Well, I think we're going to get that. Now we're going to bring in via Skype Ted Boutros. He's a law partner at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher and is working with Apple in its legal battle with the FBI. And we should know that in addition to Apple, we also reached out to the FBI's press relations office in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. to see if someone from the organization would be able to join us to hear their side of this ongoing debate. But unfortunately, no one was available on short notice. Ted, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So Apple has said repeatedly that this is not a one-phone solution, that you can't just get data off this one single phone at hand. Is it a technical restriction or a policy-related? Meaning, can Apple not physically do this thing, or it does not want to because of the implications? Apple has made clear from the beginning that it believes, based on what it knows and what the government is requesting, that it could go develop software. It would take two to four weeks, six to ten engineers, to do what the government is asking. But it really is a matter of policy and a threat to the security of hundreds of millions of iPhone users uh, that has really caused the company to draw the line here and say this is goes beyond anywhere that any court has gone. Uh, it's a policy issue for Congress and the president, not for a court to decide. And and yesterday, FBI Director Comey made very clear that they intend to seek similar orders if they can get the courts to bless what they're asking for here. In many, many other cases, state and local prosecutors have said the same thing. They want to go after thousands of phones. So it really is a broad policy question. That's why the company feels so strongly about it, protecting the security and privacy of citizens. So can anyone, could they get the, the stuff? the data off the phone? Do they need you to do it? They say they need us. They have not demonstrated. Judge Orenstein in the New York case uh, that was a different uh, iPhone but raised the same legal questions noted that in that case uh, the government hadn't said that it had gone to intelligence agencies or others and done everything possible. They haven't done that in this case. But they state in their, um, their filings with the court that they cannot do it themselves. And their password is key here for the encryption, that the individual password that a phone owner chooses is really the culmination of the encryption process. And so without that password, uh, it's not possible to get in the phone. And and that's why they say they need Apple to create new software to allow them to uh, basically hack into the phone. So if Apple were to create this new software, let's just say, and release this software so that um, the authorities could get the information that they think they need from this phone, there are security implications, right? Even if this is done very quickly or in a very brief, over a very brief period of time. Could you explain that exactly, how that would work? Or what Apple's concern is there? 
Yes, certainly. It's a very important issue because once the software is created, uh, if it's provided to the government, that software is at risk. It will be, as we've seen, the government has difficulty keeping information secure. It's vulnerable to hackers and criminals. If Apple creates the software and keeps it somewhere at Apple, it will still be uh, subject to threats. As you know, um, our data is under assault and it's getting worse and worse. And so uh, there's the threat of the software being stolen, being hacked, somehow being captured by criminals, hackers, terrorists, and others. Um, There's also the problem that the government will do this over and over again, which creates additional risks every time that happens. Uh, And they really do want the courts to order Apple to create a backdoor to the iPhone, uh, which is a policy issue that's been debated in Congress. In fact, it was debated yesterday in Congress. It's a significant issue, and it really creates significant security risks for the American people, even though there's obviously important law enforcement uh, interests at issue in the San Bernardino case and other cases. We recognize that. Then we have the fact that the government, even if Apple were allowed to destroy this software once it creates it, which is another proposal from the government, other prosecutors are going to ask them to recreate it. That will again create security risks. James Comey said yesterday that the federal government's going to want to do this again and again. And every time that happens, it creates this significant vulnerability at a time when we need to keep our data secure. It's a national security issue and it's a personal security issue for citizens all over the world. Ted, Apple's general counsel yesterday was asked to uh, to think about the implications beyond the borders of the United States and talk about uh, potential uh, implications in China, for instance. What are the fears in that regard? The fears are, are significant regarding foreign countries. You saw it I mean, today there are reports of in Brazil with WhatsApp and Facebook uh, where courts there are demanding that data be provided and they've detained a company official for that. And and the the fear is we live in the country that has the greatest civil liberties in the world and protections of individual rights. And if the U.S. government is allowed to have courts make orders like this, Every other country is going to seek the same sort of thing, including countries uh, where it's it's a real threat, and the government can use private data to to oppress individuals. And so, it will be terrible for freedom and liberty around the globe, and for the protection of citizens' data. And so, we think it's a real concern, and something that I think resonated yesterday when uh, Bruce Sewell testified that this is something that has global repercussions and can be a real threat to liberty. Around around the world. Yeah, Ted, we noted, I, I should note yesterday I spoke with Ash Carter, the Secretary of Defense, and when, though we wouldn't answer questions about the Apple FBI case directly, he did strongly speak in favor of strong encryption for the government and that, that it was necessary. Here's what he had to say. We, that is the Department of Defense, have and share with many companies and many individuals a serious concern about data security Mm -hmm. because all of our networks, nothing works without Mm -hmm. our networks. That's how we make ships, planes, tanks, soldiers all talk to one another. And so we need good data security and therefore we are on the side absolutely as the whole government is for strong encryption. And the last thing I'd say is that the only way we're going to resolve these issues is in 
dialogue and to have a close mm-hmm. relationship. So I didn't come out here in any connection with that particular case. Right. Uh, it's, but you're going to build a broader bridge. blowback but when those you talk bridges to will, right. I think, help us look beyond and above this particular legal case to the general issues, to future technology. Ted, what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with that, that individuals and companies, and in this case, governing bodies, should get on the same side for innovation reasons? I completely agree with that uh, and with Secretary Carter's uh, sentiments in that regard. This is something where the technology companies, the government experts all need to come together and come up with a system, a solution that reconciles and, and respects these competing interests. And, and I hope that's what's going to happen. Apple's called for a commission. I think, you know, Director Comey yesterday was very, very conciliatory and respectful and said he was not questioning Apple's motives. These are important issues. He said it's the hardest issue he's ever confronted in government. And so I think it, it, it is a broader question. And to have a court do it, to make an order that would really decide the policy that this is allowed under law when there's no statute that even remotely comes close to authorizing it, and then it will become a precedent. Ted, I mean, is that what it would take at this point? If for Apple to change its stance, to you know potentially give the FBI what it needs, would it take a, a law? I mean, would it take Congress to say this is how this is what's going to happen? Well, we're we're going to fight this court order, the judicial process that the government has put into motion here, and and so we're going to take uh, every avenue we can in this particular case because of the important principle at stake and the really broad threat that this would have to security and safety of citizens and data. And so in the courts, we're going to assert, Apple's going to assert its rights. Mr. Sewell testified yesterday that Apple's going to follow the law, but the law allows Apple to make these arguments in court and test the system. And I think um, in Congress, that's the place to resolve these issues. And so this is a matter of principle. It's a matter of doing the right thing. It's a matter of national security and individual liberty and security to protect this data. And that's Apple's position. And But it, just going back to your earlier question, it wants to engage. It wants to have the discussion. I think, Carol, when you inter- interviewed President Obama a few months ago, he said this is a conversation we should all be having. And I think that's exactly right. Yeah, the we, government doesn't seem to be able to agree with itself on this one. That's exactly right. They're, they're really at odds with each other. And I think some of the things that Mr. Comey said yesterday were very supportive of our position, that this is a policy issue. It's going to happen over and over again. It needs to be decided uh, by policymakers. And that goes to one of our principal legal arguments, that this is a separation of powers issue. This and It's also against a backdrop of a very emotional political campaign happening right now, which is entered into. Yes. You have the political campaign. You have a terrible tragedy that happened in mm-hmm. San Bernardino. And that's not the context within which to resolve these issues. And it's not going to be resolved overnight, probably. These are complex, difficult issues. And Apple, we all respect the interests on both sides of the equation. We all want strong law enforcement. We want to fight terrorism. We want to pursue terrorists and all of those important things. But it's a complex issue. And and so I think it's something that that everybody needs to get together and talk it through, hash it through, look at, you know, study it carefully and come up with something that, that protects all these interests. 
Ted, you know, during testimony uh, yesterday, again and again, this notion of bad cases make for bad laws came up again and again. This is a difficult case that everyone agrees. So what solution is Apple proposing here and throwing into the public discourse? How does it resolve this tough question? Here, we think the solution is that the courts right now do not have this authority, and the the order in the San Bernardino case should be vacated. The government then should convene policymakers, experts, technology companies, everybody that has something to add to this debate and try to map out something for the future. In the immediate term, the courts just simply cannot grant these sorts of orders. And, and I should add that Apple has cooperated significantly with the government, immediately with the government, produced data regarding these individuals, uh, regarding their data, under the authority of law that exists. And it does that you know, all the time. It has an entire team because, uh, as you know, the people there's a lot of data on phones. So it works hard at this. But this sort of court order that would require the company to go create new software, sign that software, engage in what speech, create you – know, creative activity and coding against its own views that it finds offensive, that he, it finds harmful, is something courts just can't do. So the courts... So, oh, yes. so you're not going to go that far, like what the, the one thing they want, correct? There's one thing. You, you've provided data, but not all the data they want. Yeah. The um, company has been very consistent when there's a, you know, a subpoena or a warrant from the government for information that Apple has... It produces it. it under the law. It, it has an obligation to do that. But there's no process. Search warrants are f- to allow the government to search for information that a person or a company has in its possession. Uh, they're not meant to force companies to create new information to give to the government. That's just a, it's a leap beyond where the law has ever gone. There's not a single you know, common case. Again, I keep going back to Director Comey's testimony, but he was asked what's the closest case, and he didn't come up with anything remotely close to this. Well, yesterday at the hearing, cybersecurity expert Dr. Susan Landau said that this has become an issue of security versus security, uh, meaning you know, security in terms of encryption, but security in terms of national security as well. And I think it's safe to say that this is a debate that is only going to intensify. We have to wrap that up here. But um, Ted, thank you so much for joining us. We've been speaking with Ted Boutros. He is a lawyer representing Apple. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask. We want to thank Don Chmielewski and Ted Boutras for joining us today. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to hear new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes. We will answer your tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's all on recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and of course, our newest show, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. This has been another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Tune in then.